I want to welcome our online fam and those that are joining us all around the, the area, the state, the, the nation. If you'll take your copy of God's word out and turn it to the book of Isaiah 45 verse 9. That is our theme scripture for this series. And then we're going to hop on over to Jeremiah chapter 18, which is kind of a famous, it's the famous potter and clay passage. And I want to preach, I want to preach about your, your reformation. I want to preach about your reformation. So Isaiah 45, 9 says this, Woe to him who strives with him who formed him. Does the clay say to the potter, what are you making? There's two key questions that we're asking through this series. See, everybody makes a choice. Everybody makes a choice, whether they're in church this morning or not in church, whether they say they're a follower of Jesus or not a follower of Jesus, whether, regardless, everybody makes a choice. This mirror represents what it reflects. So this mirror represents you. The word represents the word of God. And so all of us make a choice. One of these two things goes on the potter's wheel. And so either we are allowing the word of God to form us in God's image or just simply we think that we know better than God. God, I I know your word says to tithe, but I know how to run my finances better than you. I know your word says uh, not to forsake the gathering together of believers, but I know how to run my spiritual life better than you. I I know the word says love one another, but I know how to run things better than you. And what we do is we engage in what the nation of Israel engaged in, and that's called idolatry, where we begin to form the word of God in our image and just humbly say we know, you know, so humbly, right? We know how to run government better than you. We're gonna, I'm gonna preach a, uh, what maybe it should, shouldn't be controversial. I'm just going to preach the word of God. And so I'm not going to give you my opinion in two weeks. I'm just going to teach through the word of God, but we're going to teach through sexuality. And so for, for parents, you, you, I was going to say, you know, you may not want your kids in that service. You may want your kids in that service. My, my son came to me yesterday and he said, told me about something that he saw. And he said, dad, I had to quit watching it. And, uh, I won't tell you the cartoon that it was on. But it was like for elementary school. And so our, our kids, it's not a matter of how is their opinion on what is right and wrong in the matters of sexuality. It's being taught. It, it's, it's just a matter of who's forming who. Right? And so we're going to teach through that in a, very, in a loving way, in a grace-filled way, in a redemptive way, but in a truthful way. Way. And I encourage you to be here a couple of weeks for that message. I think it's going to be very important. But that's what we're, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing in our nation just, uh, just groups of people saying that we believe that we know how to form things and we know how to run things. And so we've got to decide who's forming who. And then we've got to decide, well, well what's forming us? What's forming us? So all of us in our life, so even though we place, we may say, okay, uh, I, I want to be formed, and we're on the potter's wheel, all of us have things in our life that are forming us. It may be somebody else's opinion about you. 
It may be the news. It may be circumstances around you. It may be your emotions. It may be all kinds of things. And what we're, through this series, what we're saying is though there there may be other influences in my life, I want the primary formation of my thoughts, of my emotions, of my words, and my actions to be the word of God. And so we're going through this 30-day 30 30 Bible challenge. So every day on your app at 6.30, come on, how many of you are getting those notifications? Every day at 6.30, you say, well, I need it before 6.30. Well, you can go on there and, and you can access it. But at 6.30 on your app, uh, you will get a notification. Uh, and we are reading through the book of James together. If you will do this, so we pray, our hope is that a 30-day Bible challenge turns into a 31-day, turns into a 32-day. If you will take 20 minutes of your day, at least 20 minutes of your day, and be formed in God's image, that will be, I'm telling you, it'll be a game changer. It'll change your life. It'll change your marriage. It'll change your parenting. It'll change your ministry. It'll change your job. It'll change all of these things in your life. So we've been going through, we're going to read through the book of James together as a congregation. How many of you have enjoyed James? Yeah. How many of you have not enjoyed James? Yeah, I got, I got both hands up. Um, the past two messages, I did not appreciate Pastor, the past two mornings, I didn't appreciate Pastor James so much. By the way, did you know, did you, so, so James was the half-brother of Jesus, did not follow Jesus for most of his life, and then comes to realize that Jesus really was the Son of God, gives his life to Jesus, and James became the first megachurch pastor. Did you know that? So James was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. Remember, 3,000 people get saved. 3,000 men get saved, plus women and children. So probably, you know, 18,000 people get saved or 15 or whatever it was that day on the day of Pentecost. Some of them were from other areas, and so they went back to their hometown. But thousands of people, right? Thousands of people in Jerusalem, and James is their pastor. And then the context of the book of James, even though we didn't include verse 1, I don't know why we didn't include verse 1, because sometimes, sometimes, Sometimes it's those throwaway verses, right? You think, oh, that's not important. But James 1.1 is actually really important because it says who James was writing to. It says, what, what does it say? James to the 12 tribes. Do you remember this? If you read it in a paper copy, James to the 12 tribes of the dispersion. What was the dispersion? It was the dispersion after the persecution of Stephen. James was writing to a mega church during a pandemic. That's what James was doing. And it was scattering all the tribes. And you would think that James would just be so like tender and motherly and oh, and coddling everybody. And have you found James is not like that at all? Like, I hope James had a good executive pastor that was a good shepherd that was a good, because like James is like in your face. Hey, um, if you're reading the word of God and looking in the mirror and then going away and doing something else, James, like you're not even saved. I'm like, okay, we'll just say what, say what it is, James. Like, he's just very, very uh, blunt. And so, but anyways, I encourage you, get in the word every single day. What we're doing is we're providing you HelloFresh. We're providing you your meal kit. We're giving you tools because you can't just eat on Sunday. I'm telling you, one of my favorite things to do is to cook for y'all on Sunday. I love making you the fried chicken and the sweet potatoes and, and, and the corn on the cob and the candied yams and I like uh, the dessert. Like I love preparing and making this meal for you on Sunday. But if you go out there and say, um, 
my pastor didn't teach me to cook, you're going to end up like my son eating at QT. And that's not a good thing. So we want to teach you, we want to teach you to cook. So these questions of who's forming who, and then what's forming you. Jeremiah 18, now this is our text for today. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel that he was making of clay was corrupted in the potter's hand. So Jeremiah hears the word of the Lord. He obeys. He goes down to the potter's house. And God is preaching an illustrated sermon to Jeremiah right before Jeremiah. And so he walks into the potter's house, and so the potter is a representation of God Almighty, and and the vessel is a representation for Jeremiah. It was a representation of the people of Israel. For you and me, it's a representation of us. So God the potter is forming us, the church, as his vessels, and the vessel was marred in the potter's hands. It was all, it was all messed up, had a hole in it, was, it was wonky, it was, it was lopsided, it was all of these things, and it, it kind of brings this question like right if if the potter is God if God is the master potter if God doesn't make mistakes if God is holy if God is perfect then how did this vessel get messed up in the hands of God there's only two choices number one either the potter had no clue what he was doing or there was something wrong with the clay how many of you think that maybe, may, just like just maybe, there might be something wrong with the clay? Like that seems, as we're reading this, this seems kind of obvious, right? But how many of you have been like me and followed to the T, Proverbs 19.3, the message translation says this, people ruin their lives by their own stupidity, so why does God always get the blank? That was called the theme verse of my sophomore year in high school. That's what that was. But it happens, right? Like the clay makes dumb dumb decisions. The clay sins. The clay gets off track. And then what happens? We get mad at God because God doesn't know what he's doing. And how dare he not answer my, come on, have you been there? Like, have you messed up in life? But people ruin their lives by their own stupidity. So why does God always get the blame? And so we have this situation where the vessel is very messed up. I was, uh, so I've been telling you that Pastor John is our resident uh, potter. And he's been taking pottery classes, and so he, he got me some fresh clay. And um, I had a whole illustration that I was going to show you, and I messed it up so bad. And I'll tell you that story in a moment, but let me just tell you about the fresh clay. So he gave me this, this fresh clay. And, and I, when, you look at, when you look at fresh clay or, or Play-Doh, let me, let me back it down a little bit because there's not, not a, a lot of us have worked with clay. Have you worked with Play-Doh? All right. What did, what did you do with the Play-Doh when you first opened it? Smelled it. Yeah. <laughs> How many of you grew up eating Play-Doh? Yeah, I see. But there's something about fresh Play-Doh, right? Because what's the alternative? It's the old and crusty Play-Doh. <laughs> that you forgot to put the lid on. <laughs> 
and they make all those machines in there and then your kids play with it and then the parent, you got to clean it and you got to get all of that junk off of there and the stuff that is left out in the elements. But like there's something about it, that brand new and, and it didn't like all of the, the Play-Doh colors initially, they're bright. And they're vibrant. The blue is blue and the yellow is yellow and the orange is orange. And then what did you try to do? You tried to make the thing on the back of the box that mixed the colors together. And then you mixed the colors together and everything just became brown. Come on. Are you like, it's just old, hard, nasty, dried up Play-Doh. But that fresh Play-Doh smelled so good. And you looked at that and you thought like, what are the possibilities of this Play-Doh? I think that's why we like newborns so much, right? It's like when a newborn baby, it's like, oh, what's God going to do? Are they going to be a, uh, an actor or an athlete or a great preacher, a great missionary? And then, and then what happens to newborn clay is that newborn clay turns into toddler clay. And we realize that toddler, toddler clay bites, and, and toddler clay doesn't share. And then toddler clay turns into teenage clay. And teenage clay talks back. And then teenage clay turns into 20-something clay. And 20-something clay makes a series of poor life decisions. And 20-something clay turns into 30-something clay. And 30-something clay looks around at all the other 30-somethings and are like, well, they're made into a vessel. They're married clay. Why am I not married clay? They're kids clay. Why am I not kids clay? They're promotion at work clay. Why am I not promotion at work clay? And then you get to 40s clay and your 50s clay and you feel like all dried out and hard and like somebody forgot about you. Like we, but we love the, we love the fresh clay. And, and I got to tell you, like this is, what, this is what fascinates me about this passage because clay is not expensive. You want to talk about one of the most common elements on earth. Why? Because it's made from earth. It's just dirt. It's, it's like there's nothing fancy about it. It's Carolina red clay. It's very, it's very common. And so this, this fascinates me that in this passage, it says that, Jeremiah walks in and the vessel was marred in the hands of the potter, but it says that the potter begins to reform it into another vessel. I I find it fascinating that the potter didn't throw away the clay. I, I, I just, I would have started over. So let me tell you about this. This is where this whole illustration went bad. So I told you a little bit about this last week. John, Pastor John told me that if I have a hardened vessel and if I break that vessel, if it has not yet been fired, I can take that, all of the broken clay, it's super hard, and I can place it in water, right? And it'll, it'll be soft again. So I'm like, oh, that would be so cool to show everybody. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. So I took the vessel and I broke it. Well, he didn't tell me that when you break an unfired vessel, what happens is like it shatters, but it shatters into dust. So if you were to walk over to my office right now, my floor is covered in, in clay dust. It's just, it's a mess. And I'm, co- it's just this mess. And so I'm picking up these broken pieces and I, and I go to the little kitchenette there and I put it into water and I, and I put the lid on the water. And this was yesterday and I hop over here and I, I come watch some of the, the smack performance. And then I go back over and the clay, is supposed to be soft. It was soft. 
like the soupiest mud you've ever, like I thought I was going to reach in the water, just reach in the water and pull up this, this little lump of clay and oh, it's ready to be formed again. And, and it was just this soupy mess. So I'm calling John. I'm like, you're such a liar. You don't know what you're talking about. I didn't tell him that. But I was like, dude, why? He's like, oh yeah, it's taking on too much water. I said, obviously. He said, well, you got you to then filter it. So he said, get a sock. And so I brought a sock this morning. This was my morning. I was over in my office with a sock and so I was going to try to strain the clay through the sock but the sock was too small so I found a winter hat let me translate that into southern a toboggan a toboggan is a sled but we'll move past that I found this winter I found this winter hat and I'm dumping this just soupy, nasty clay mixture and I'm squeezing it and it's all over my sink. It's all over my hands. I don't know whether this is clay or porch paint. I think it's porch paint from yesterday, but I got it all over the place. And I got to tell you like that, I just wanted to get, I just wanted to start over. Clay's not that expensive. Just throw it in the trash and start over. Aren't you glad that God didn't start over with you? I mean, aren't you glad that God didn't just like sweep you? Come on, because you were there. You got so messed up in your life that God could. There's 7 billion people on the planet. For real, is he really going to miss you that much? Like, just kind of, just kind of, oh man, they messed up one too many times. Broke one too many promises. And, and we would think that God would be this God that would just kind of sweep us into the trash can and, and start over. But that's not the God that you serve. God, the potter, doesn't throw away the clay. Reminds me of uh, uh, Forky. Y'all watched all the Toy Story movies. If you haven't, that's your assignment for today. Binge watch Toy Story and then give yourself an altar call at the end. Like Forky, uh, so Forky only appears in Toy Story 4. And the thing about Forky, all the other toys were, were production toys. You know, Woody the Cowboy and Buzz Lightyear and Slinky Dog and, and the Aliens and, and uh, Bo Peep and all, all of those other toys. But at this point, the toys are under, under Bonnie's jurisdiction. And Bonnie made Forky. Bonnie made Forky. And so even though Forky's a little wonky, even though one eye's a little bit bigger, even though he's rocking the unibrow and the smile's a little off to the side, and uh, Bonnie, Bonnie made Forky. And so Forky is Bonnie's favorite toy, but Forky doesn't see himself as being made by Bonnie. Forky sees himself as trash. And so because Forky sees himself as trash, he keeps trying to throw himself into the trash can. Do you know that sometimes the life decisions that people make of seeming to throw their life away as a result of them not seeing themselves as created in the image of God? And so Woody, preacher Woody, (laughs) pastor Woody... He's got, one, he's got one message to Forky, and he keeps preaching this message to Forky. You're not trash. You're a toy. Bonnie made you. You're not trash. You're a toy. Bonnie made you. 
He keeps preaching this and Forky keeps making bad decisions and he keeps getting himself into messes and he keeps throwing himself into trash cans and Woody keeps preaching this message. You're not trash. You're a toy. Bonnie made you and Forky can't get it through his head and Woody keeps preaching to him. You're not trash. You're a toy. Bonnie made you. Can I preach this to somebody in the house today? You're not trash. You're not trash. You are a chosen, holy, amazing instrument and vessel of the Lord most high God made you God made you you are not trash your life is a throwaway that's not what the potter does you may be marred but God does not throw you away you may be scarred but he doesn't throw you away you may have made a series of bad choices in your life but God does not throw you away potter doesn't throw away broken vessels second thing is this is that the potter wants to reshape the vessel Potter wants to reshape the vessel. And so it says, and he reformed. He, he reformed. I was going to preach this cult. I was going to preach how we need to have a reformed theology. And then I would lose a lot of people in the room because you're like, everybody's like a reformed theology. Isn't that John Calvin? He wasn't, didn't he pre- like once saved, always saved. And I'm, you know, I'm connecting with the Bible nerds in the room and I've lost everybody else. But I'm not talking about a reform, a reformed theology necessarily. I'm talking about a re, a reformed theology because I think what happens in our lives is that we believe God can form, but we're just not so sure can he reform. Can he, can he reform? But what I've got to tell you, this word reform, so it's not one word. In the English, it's one word. In the Hebrew, it's two completely separate words. And that word formed is asa. That's significant because it's the same word that God uses in Genesis 1.26 when he says, and God formed man in his image. In other words, when God is reforming, he's forming a According to the original purpose. I hope somebody is getting as excited about this as I am because it doesn't matter how broken you are. It doesn't matter how many times that you have messed up. Your original purpose in your life doesn't, you, you don't lose it. You don't lose that. God returns to the original formation, the original plan that he has for you. But we got to understand it both. So it says God and he reformed it into what? Another vessel. Is it the same potter? Say yes. Is it the same clay? Say yes. Was it the same vessel? Can Can I teach you the difference between purpose and seasons? Some people get messed up in their life because they don't understand. They think that their purpose is their same ministry through every season. And they don't understand purpose doesn't change, but seasons change and assignments change. And if we don't understand that seasons change and assignments change, then when everything gets all wonky and messed up on the potter's wheel, i.e. 14 months of a pandemic and ministry is going crazy and some of the ministries that we had, we don't have right now and we're getting rebooted and what's going on and, and I was doing this and, and we, had, we had an assignment, we had a pre-pandemic assignment, but what if God is re forming you and shaping you and what if he's giving you a new assignment for a new season that is directly connected to your original purpose I could get excited about that 
I had one of our team members come to me this week who God has been, uh, God has been blessing. God's hand is on this team member. God has been elevating this team member and, and giving him uh, higher and higher, more, more public assignments. And he, and he came to me this week. And there's a, a logistical something that we're walking through. And, and he had got away in prayer and he came back and he said, and I asked him, I said, well, well if you take on this, this challenge, if you take on reforming this assignment, how is it going to affect everything else that God has done? And, and, and he said this, he said, this is, this is my assignment for the, for the season. And I got I to gotta tell you, nobody will ever know because it's super behind the scenes and it's not glamorous but it's something that's needed in the moment. And he said, this is my assignment. This is my God assignment. Are we willing, are we willing to always be reformed into the, uh, into the assignment that God has for us in this season? Here's the final thought is this. The potter, the potter needs your cooperation. The potter needs the cooperation of the clay. Here's a trick question, so don't answer it. Can God, can God do anything? <laughs> well, kind of. What, what do you mean, Pastor? God's like sovereign, and he's, he's omniscient, and he knows everything, and he's all-powerful. Yes, abs- absolutely. Let me, let me ask it this way. Has God imposed upon himself current self-limitations? You can, say, you can answer yes to that. That's not a trick question. Did, did he with Adam and Eve? Yes. It was, called, it was called what? It was called free will. It was called free choice. So the only thing that God couldn't do with Adam and Eve is God couldn't make their choices for them. God couldn't make their decisions for them. And so how this plays out in your life is you have a potter that has purpose for you. You have a potter that has destiny for you. Regardless of your past, regardless of mistakes, regardless of of your choices, if you say, God, I'm sorry, I repent, I want to get back on the potter's wheel, you have a God that wants to form you, form your life, form this church, form everything about you into something amazing. But here's what God, so God can do any, God can do anything almost anything. Here's what God can't do. God can't repent for you. He can't repent for you. And so I said that word reformed, it's from two words. That asa is the formation. It's your original purpose, according to Genesis 1.26. But also you have this word re. What we translate re, that word is shub. And that word shub means to repent. It means to repent. And here's what we've got to understand. Repentance is not the same as feeling bad. So what happens is something like this. Sometimes you have somebody that says, Pastor, I've tried this before. I've tried this God stuff before. It doesn't work. I've tried this church stuff before. It doesn't work. I've tried this Jesus stuff before. It doesn't work. And what I want to ask somebody with that kind of viewpoint is I want to say this. Did you truly repent or did you just feel bad? There's a difference. 
There's there's a difference between a temporary emotion of not wanting to face the consequences of what you did and true repentance. That word repentance, it's a military term. It means a literal 180 degree turn. I was living for myself, but now I'm gonna live for Jesus. I was selfish, but now I'm gonna be unselfish. I was unloving, but I'm going to be loving. I I was an enemy of the cross, but because of the work of Jesus Christ, his shed blood and resurrection from the grave, I'm going to turn from what I was doing and turn towards the cross. Can I ask you, have you truly repented? Have you left your old way of thinking? Have you left your old mindsets? Have you left your old emotions? Have you left your old theology and come to the potter and put yourself back on this potter's wheel and just say, God, you've got to form me. Form me into your image. Form my marriage into your image. Form my kids into your image. Form my singleness into your image. Form my vocation. Form my ministry. Form everything in my life according to the image of God. And the the difference is this. So here's what repentance will do in your life. Repentance softens your heart. Uh, Jeremiah 17.1 says this. If if you'll put that verse up on the screen, just keep it up there. And I'm going to explain where this verse came from. So in Jeremiah chapter 18, it's the potter and clay. And so God says... I'm not going to throw you away. I mean, it's crazy. That's the kind, what kind of God do you believe in, pastor? I believe in a God that doesn't throw people away. And there's people in your life. There's people in your influence, people that you come in contact with on a daily basis. There's family members that need this word. They need to to know that God's not going to throw them away, that God's not done with them, that God still has purpose for them. But in Jeremiah chapter 1, all the way through 17, it's just Israel's sin. It's their idolatry. It's their rebellion. It's their adultery. It's their spiritual adultery. It's their refusing to take care of the poor and the widow. I mean, if you come up with a sin, it is in Jeremiah 1 through 17. And then you have this verse in Jeremiah 18 where God said, even though you messed up worse than, worse than I ever could have thought that you would have messed up, I'm not done with you if you repent. Look at Jeremiah 17.1. It says that the sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron. And that pen has the point of a diamond. And it's engraved on the tablet of their heart. How hard does the tablet of a heart have to be for the sin to be engraved with a pen of iron and the point of a diamond? This is what repentance does. Repentance softens you up again. Sin hardens your heart. It hardens your heart. And so what sin does, this is why sin is so serious. Sin hardens us to the point where we say, God says, I want to form you, but you got to repent first. You got to say, I'm sorry first. You got to choose to live a different way. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed in this place, can I ask you this question? Have you repented? Have you repented? I know, I know you want to be formed, but have you repented? 
Have you come to the Lord and say, I can't do this on my own. I don't know better than you. I've tried it my own way. But God, I submit to you. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed in this place, if you would say something like this, Pastor, I want to be formed by the hand of God, but there is unconfessed sin in my life. There's unconfessed sin in my heart. And I need to repent. I need to ask God to forgive me. If that's you. You need to make a decision and say, Pastor, I need to repent today. Would you just slip up your hand and you can slip it right back down? Say, that's me. Yeah, who else? Look, no, this should be, I, I, I gotta be honest. This, this should be a daily practice. This should be a, day, a daily practice. I never, I never want my heart to get hard. I never, do you know that there's people sitting in churches all across America, but their hearts are hard. And God wants to move on them. And God wants to give them a new assignment for a new season. God wants to reshape them. But they've allowed their hearts to be hard. Come on, who else would say, Pastor, I don't want that in my life. I got unconfessed sin and I'm going to take care of it right now before the Father would join these that have already raised their hand. Just slip your hand up and slip it right back down. God, there's something. Sure, who else? Who else got of something? Yeah, come on, who else? This is the place to take care of it. This is the place right here, right now. I got you. Who else would lift a hand and say, I got something in my life that's keeping me from being formed. I don't want to leave this place without a true reformation. I got you. Once you put your hand up, you can put it back down. Who else? I don't want to leave this place without a personal reformation. I need reformation in my life. If you raised your hand, I want you to pray a prayer that says something like this. You pray silently as I pray out loud. Whether you're already a Christian or whether you're giving your heart to Jesus for the first time, just say something like this. God, forgive me. I don't want to be in charge anymore. I'm not going to place your word on the potter's wheel. I place my life on the potter's wheel. I place my heart on the potter's wheel. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, to come into my life so that I can live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to my purpose in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Now this is your assignment. This is your assignment. I deputized you, right? I deputized you. I didn't think about this until just now. Here's your message. Your message, deputy, is the message of Sheriff Woody this week. Your message is to tell somebody you're not a throwaway. Your life matters. You're not trash. You're a toy Bonnie made you. I mean, don't just tell them that because they're going to look really weird at you. Like, what is going on here? But something like that. God, lo God loves you. Come on. Encur will you encourage somebody this week? Will you share God's love with somebody this week? Bring somebody back to the house of God next week. God bless you.